It's Mr. Christopher with the Funkatopia Radio Show, and we are doing yet another radio takeover, but this time we are doing it with Mailing Stonepool, who you may know as the inspiration behind Prince's mega hit Little Red Corvette. How are you, Mailing? I'm great. I'm feeling funky. How are you? I am feeling funky all the time, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, so, you know, uh, one of the things right out of the gate, okay, is that, uh, a lot of people never had, hadn't heard of you and you kind of came onto the scene when the story broke that the inspiration behind, again, just repeating myself that Prince's mega song, Little Red Corvette, that you were the inspiration for that song. And of course you obviously experienced a lot of detractors and people that you know were naysayers and and whatever else and then of course they um covered it in city pages yes and um so they did a you know huge article on you and there's plenty of people who uh have have confirmed that that is true from everybody from uh, Jerome Benton to TC Ellis and everybody else and i guess you know, one of the pushbacks that, that you're obviously going to get, and we're going to get into music because what I wanted to do is I wanted to kind of open up the airwaves a little bit, let you kind of talk about some of the songs and some of the, the history behind some of the songs that you've kind of pre-selected for this show. And also to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, how things just started to kind of get unveiled for you um, as far as because you had heard the song on the radio from what I understand and you you know liked it and dug the song for many many <laughs> years and then you all of a sudden surprised to, to learn that this song was written about you and, and how did all this stuff become uncut start unveiling itself to you and your involvement and tell people a little about your involvement with Prince and how you met him and all that yes I was I guess you could say I was unveiled to the to the world but I was definitely uh, someone who was well known in Minneapolis in the clubs and dancing and you know that kind of thing so I was on the scene and and I would say I was popular you know people know who I am and you know I met Prince in in 1976 when I was 16 and he's 18 because we're two years apart and my girlfriend wanted to go to a party where their group was playing champagne and I think Alexander O'Neill, it was a New Year's Eve party in 76. And she wanted me to take her because she didn't have a car. So <laughs> I was 16, right? So we snuck my mom's car and we went. And so we had to literally back it out without turning it on. <laughs> it was really, <laughs> my mom heard about this actually on the radio. when <laughs> She heard me tell someone else. She said, you did that? I go, yeah, I did. I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> I have a similar story. <laughs> yeah, we did. She's, she's actually celebrating her 80th birthday this month. So I'm really happy to have her with us still. And anyway, we, um, you know, my girlfriend, Nadine, who's called Lady Virgo, uh, because she had a beauty shop called Lady Virgo. Someone else was saying Lady Virgo meant something else. So let me just clarify that right now. Lady Virgo <laughs> was the name of her beauty shop. So that's what she liked to be called because it promoted her shop back in the day. Anyway, we went to, uh, I believe it was the Holiday Inn. And um, she wanted me to meet Prince. I mean, I, you know, she was like, you need, you need to meet this guy named Prince because you're short and he's short. And y'all would make a cute couple. <laughs> 
like, okay, Nadine, whatever. I was dating somebody at the time. But, you know, that's not why we went. That was her way of trying to get me to take her because she wanted to go to the party. So we went and, you know, she did introduce me to Prince. And it was just a little awkward, funny moment. You know, he gave me those big deer eyes and, you know, we kind of introduced, she introduced me to him and we kind of looked at each other and smiled and he was playing, they were performing. So, you know, he's, you know, we looked at each other throughout the evening, but, you know, we didn't have any interaction. I was 16, so I wasn't trying to, I mean, I had dated older guys though at that point, but, um, you know, nothing came of it until 79 when I saw him at the Fox Trap, which is the taste to everybody else, but it used to be the Fox Trap back in the day. And um, he just came right out on the dance floor when I was dancing and started dancing with me because I would dance by myself a lot of times. So, and then after that, he asked me for his number and then the rest is history. Well, <laughs> well let's... <laughs> Let's let's take a listen to the song, and then what we'll do is we will uh, we're gonna regroup after the song here, and you're gonna tell me a little bit about some of the the tidbits that are inside of this song, um, and and kind of put together some of the pieces that that kind of unveil your identity in this song. So without further ado, okay. here is the song that you all know and love, and it's being taken over. On the radio show, on the Funkatopia radio show, by the one and only Mei Ling, who this song is written about. And here it is, Little Red Corvette, on the Funkatopia radio show.
And that was Little Red Corvette. And on the phone with us right now, Miss Mei Ling, who <laughs> the song is written about. And uh, so what's some of the stories, especially that particular uh, verse where, you know, he's talking about, you know, the stables and all that stuff. Um, kind of give me a little bit of a picture about what he's referring to in that particular verse. I think Prince um, is very creative in his wording and i'll tell the whole story about that little line in the book um because there's more to it and i was dancing to that song like everybody else because i had left in 1980 and i didn't tell prince i was leaving i was kind of going through a lot of stuff and i just left minnesota and i transferred to university of kansas from the university of minnesota and um he didn't know i was leaving and you know we weren't like a couple couple but I was always around. You know how the girl's always around and, you know, you see him, you, whatever, but I left. And um, I found out about it like in 85. And I was in 85. And see, I had gotten married in 83. And I had a baby in 84. So when I found out about it, I was like, really? Wow. Oh, <laughs> that's mean. <laughs> <laughs> So I wasn't happy at all. I was actually a little pissed. So I probably, if I would have been in Minneapolis, I would have said, Prince, what's up with that? Wow. But he left clues for me. Um, and, you know, like I said, I was dancing to the song just like everybody else. I really did not even think that Prince wrote any songs about me other than, you know, I had heard people had called me and said um, Sexy Dancer was about me and it was a rumor going around. And, you know. I was definitely a dancer back then and not a pole dancer, but I was a dancer and that was my thing, my outlet. How long did, did you and Prince date? We were, like I told Michael Dean, we were just kicking it. I mean, you know, we were, we were off and on for, from 79 until I left in 80. The last time I saw him before I left was... Uh, sometime like I left in August so I think I saw him like in a, f a month or so before that because and that's in the book it's a cute story so I don't want to give that away but yeah right and what what is the, what is the title of this book too because I, I you you've made reference to the, to the book a few times and and I have neglected to share the title of that book <laughs> well, what, what is the title of the book the title and when is little red Corvette the woman behind the song and when do you think this book will probably be ready for people to to? It will be ready in 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 the coming year after January. It'll be ready. Okay. So, how did you find out that Little Red Corvette was about you? Did somebody tell you, or was it who was it who was it that un unveiled that? Well, I heard from two different people. Um, one person was a close friend who I, I'm not really going to talk about right now, and the other person. Um, earlier, and then the other person was T.C. Ellis. And T.C. and I would fight about it because he wanted me to tell my story. And in 2001, I was in grad school and I started kind of putting together a plan to write this book, which had a different title. It was about, you know, the Minneapolis Sound and just really highlighting all the wonderful artists and people, my friends that had accomplished things with Prince and Prince and what they were doing now. And I interviewed during that time between 2004, I think three and four, 
um, you know, people like Matt Fink and, you know, Chaka Khan and all different kinds of people associated with the Minneapolis Sound. And really was going to be like a coffee table book talking about what people were doing now and the the contributions that they made to Minneapolis because of the Minneapolis Sound. And then, um, you know, I've been talking with Prince's people and his lawyer and his PR lady. And, you know, I wanted to, you know, be respectful of him and do it right, you know. Right. And, um, you know, then he passed away. And, you know, I actually, some things happened in between. I started writing it and then some, I just kind of put it down. And um, someone in my family was ill and I put it down. And then, um, you know, I saw him in 2004 and I hadn't seen him, I think it was 24 years. Mm. I had not seen Prince in 24 years. And I joined the MPG club and I, you know, bought tickets and I told my husband, I said, you know, we're going to go see Prince. Let's go see Prince. He's going to be here in Oklahoma. Let's go see him. All right. Now time, and, time out for a second. Time out for mm-hmm. a second. Let me just say major props to your husband for kind of going along with you on this. <laughs> because there is some, there's some reality here and me as a husband myself. If my wife had shared the story about this music superstar who most women would give their right arm and leg to have an opportunity to be with. And if I knew my wife had a very, uh, I can't think of the correct word, a very really sordid and sexual past with uh, with this person. Okay, and and I'm, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just saying. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then you come and, and for me to be, okay, yeah, let's let, let's go see him and see, you know, <laughs> you gotta, well, you know, when I left Minnesota, to be honest, <laughs> I was not happy with Prince at the time because I thought that he was involved in something that happened to me, and he wasn't. And that's kind of the sad part of the story. Not that I feel bad because, you know, we could have got married and all that. No, because we didn't maintain a friendship and because of what I had thought had happened. And so I was kind of a little irritated, you know, and kind of like, wow, you know. And so when I left, I left not for that reason, for something even more horrible. But either way, um, I just kind of left and and just said, I'm out of here. You know, I'm out of here. And and so I really didn't go to any I didn't go to any concerts ever since 80 until 2004. And I did at one point I was going to go to One Night Alone, but something came up, kids, you know, I had two kids by then and we just, I couldn't do it. So when I went back in 2004 to the concert, Chris, it was kind of like me saying, hey, everything's cool with us. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. So I got, I got the tickets and my husband is just a cool dude. He's very confident. He's, you know, he's got it going on as well. And, you know, he just, you, the person who married me had to be that kind of guy because he's not jealous. I was in the entertainment industry and I still am. And so I'm constantly talking to men, you know, going places on my own, doing things. I mean, that was our life. And you just have to have that kind of trust. Right. And, um, you know, he knew the story about Prince and what went down and all of that. And so he was like, yeah, sure, let's go. 
So we went. And so I decided when I got the tickets, they were front row center, right by the stage door. Yeah. And I was like, really, Prince? Because, you know, he does stuff like that. And I had been chatting on MPG. I I posted something uh, a few days ago. I don't know if you saw it. But I posted on there that I had come from the concert and I signed it, the, the real Little Red Corvette. That was in 2004. There you go. And, you and got- I mean, I, I had told other people. I mean, it's not like I didn't tell anybody. Right. I told people, but I just didn't like bust out with it because, you know, I have my own radio show. I had a syndicated international column, actually. It was a national column. Uh, I could have easily, you know, I write for two papers. I was writing for two papers at the time, along with being syndicated. I could have easily said it. You know, I was on two other radio shows. I had two other shows I did tips for because I did like design tips. And those actually, those DJs were there that night. (laughs) The Jack and Ron show and the Joey and Heather show. They were there at the concert. And I told them that Prince and I were friends that we used to date. And they were there and they were there when he stopped the show when he saw me and he looked down and they were there when he pulled me up on the stage he didn't physically pull me up but he had someone ask me to come up on stage and dance and they already had like a whole bunch of little cute girls young girls and one guy (laughs) that was in like a little pit right ready to go and they get up they walk behind us and all of a sudden one of the band members says hey you and i'm like looking behind me i'm like oh no me yeah you i'm like oh then my husband pushes me and I trip up the steps. So that was embarrassing. And you know, <laughs> Prince and I used to cut rugs. You know, we used to dance together and he was running from me the whole time. I'm like, why did you bring me up here if you're going to run from me? <laughs> so I asked one of his, one of our close friends that we have a mutual friend. And he said, well, cause you were on Mike. He was on Mike and he didn't know what you might say. Mm. <laughs> this is true. You know, who knows what I would have said. Right. But um, it was funny. But I he, he tortured me. I think that song went on for 20 minutes. I was so tired. Right. <laughs> I was the only fat and 40 chick up there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've gotten, yeah, I've, I've got a, an opportunity to get on stage and dance myself. And, and I didn't, uh, yeah, it's, it's when you're up underneath <laughs> all those lights, it's like, you know, you got like a few minutes in and you're like, why did I come up here again? I'm I can't like, I that. am not the girl I was. <laughs> I'm not fancy dance anymore. <laughs> and he even left the stage and left us on the stage. I was like, oh, oh Lord. Oh, my gosh. So Prince <laughs> it was then, a memorable moment, though. It was so really then, cool. Prince then also confirmed this um and, and we are going to get to this radio takeover, but I know that this is one of the primary reasons why people – um, are, are tuning in to kind of figure out, you know, to kind of weigh, do I think that she's actually being honest about what she's saying? And I, I, and I know you're going to have your detractors. And, and right. you, you, you're, you're a fan of Funkatopia, and obviously we've, we've talked. And, and I don't have, you know, it, it, for, for me, I would just rather be able, you know, we all want to be able to hear some of these stories with, with Prince and, and here's some of his background. And obviously now since his passing, there's a lot of people who are very, very protective about his legacy and are very, very protective about the stories and, and making sure that everything that gets either online or that is is said or documented, wherever that may be, is reality. Because 
Prince was very, uh, even while he was alive, he was very uh, animate about making sure that if you're going to write about me, you know, make sure that it's <laughs> legitimate and true. And um, so I think obviously you're going to have a lot of detractors. So I, I, I certainly, by all means, don't envy you whatsoever in some of the, the pushback that you've probably gotten. And I'm, I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of it. And there there are some other uh, huge uh, Prince-based websites that are out there that, you know, call you out and whatever. But this, you know, for, 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 for me personally. <laughs> yeah, they have. Yeah. Well, and I think part of it is, Chris, they didn't know me. It was like I came from nowhere. And one of the main things that, you know, and let me go back for a minute. Because, you know, back in the day, Prince would give out inaccurate information all day long. You do know that. And when he was talking to the press and he would oh, make yeah. up stories and he would Absolutely. make up fantasy. Just the other day, Jill said something about his fantasy stuff that he did with even his albums. Yeah, my dad so was black, my he, mother was white type of thing. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, he he was just that kind of person because he didn't really want people to know what was going on. He wanted to have it be mysterious. And I think Little Red Corvette was one of those songs that he wanted to kind of keep the mystery with as well but also you have to understand i wasn't there anymore and he found out that i was married i'm sure because i had gone to jimmy jam and terry's picnic in 91 and i brought my two children there and um i talked to jimmy and you know jerome was there that's when i reconnected with jerome because we had been good friends back in the day and we worked on projects after that and um you know Karen White was there. She was married to Terry Lewis at the time. And Low Key was there. That's who I went with, one of the guys from Low Key. That was, we were in a, we had an entertainment company together. And Jam and Lewis supported our artist management project. Our artist seminar was a seminar that we did in Kansas City. We had, I don't know, 500 or 800 people show up. And um, A&R people and all of that. And at that time, it was heavy into entertainment. So Darren and I, he was, he's one of the singers in, in Low Key. We were working on, you know, different artists and doing this artist management stuff. And we had um, signed Tech Nine, the rapper, to uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry's label. And so, I mean, I was in the middle of it. <laughs> and right. I'm sure Prince found out. I mean, St. Paul, Minneapolis is just too small. Right. So I'm sure he found out. You know, that girl, Mei Ling, she was here and she's married and has kids. And I just think that he had grown as a person. And I don't think he figured if he didn't out me, if I didn't out myself, that he wasn't going to do it because, you know, that, like you said, that song is kind of rough. And let's say that, you know, a woman didn't tell her husband, you know, I don't think Prince is that kind of guy. Right. But, um, you know, I can't, you know, what, what can I say about that? I mean, everybody who was back in the day from Sue Ann Carwell to T.C. Ellis to Morris and Jelly Bean, they all know me. They all know I was there. Okay. Andre Simone, know, he knows I was there. I was there dating Prince in front of his face. So, you know, I don't know what to say. It's just that I wasn't that girl that was running around saying, look at me, I'm Little Red Corvette. I had other things going on in my life. Right. And yeah. I think that's hard for some people to understand. Yeah, so yeah, I wasn't that girl. But, you know, when I met him, he was, you know, a young and upcoming person 
who, you know, I just wasn't there for that. I wasn't there because of who he was going to be or who he was. That's just not who I am. I've had plenty of opportunities to marry people, you know, that were in positions like that. And I just always wanted to, you know, I was trying to get my own stuff together, you know. Right. So we talked a little bit about before we got on because you. So let's let's start to try to get into some of this, some of the radio takeover here and some of the songs that you chose. And this particular song, we you kind of debated a little bit about whether or not we wanted to, to play it. Because we're going to still mix in some of this Prince history here um, and, you know, kind of what was going on in this particular interim. But one before song... You, before you do that, can we go back to Little Red Corvette for a minute? Okay. Yeah. I did want to say that when I heard the song, one of the reasons why I knew... There's a lot of reasons, but I'm not going to tell. That's part of the book, obviously. But one of the reasons that I absolutely knew that the song was about me is because he left me a huge hint. He said, when I saw the jockeys that were there before me, and he was actually talking about the jockeys on the wall in my house. And I had a, a wall of different celebrities and entertainers and jockeys. And one of them was Mike Hercules Weaver, who he saw me with in person. Mm -hmm. And and then the other was a Muhammad Ali and there were some others. And when he looked at that, he turned around and looked at me. And I know that that affected him. And in the song, he says, I didn't think that I had enough class or whatever. When I saw all the jockeys that were there before me. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And Muhammad Ali was his idol. So obviously that would have been someone he would have been concerned with. Yeah, I so can that, see. So that was a big clue, and there are other clues. You know, I've seen tons of pictures of him with various artists in various states, but the one picture that I saw of him and Muhammad Ali, I've never seen Prince with so much of his guard down. Like, he literally was like... And this a was, little and, boy. Like a little boy. Well, yeah, it was like... Yeah. It was like... Um, and this was when Muhammad Ali, you know, when when it started to, you know, when um, it started to take over. Parkinson's yeah, when the Parkinson's yes. really started to really grab hold of him, and he mm -hmm. he couldn't really, you know. But you could just see that Prince, literally, was in in front of a a, a hero, and right. he just, you know, right. you, and you had never really got to see that side of Prince too much, but to see those pictures of of Prince and and Muhammad Ali together and. There was like a, there's like at least a half a dozen shots that I know that were published. And every single one yeah. of them, none of them. And he let him touch his hair. <laughs> and I know because I know, you know, just from the time I've had with Muhammad, I know that he called him a pretty boy. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, I can imagine how Prince felt when he saw him. Because Prince was not as confident. I'm telling people don't realize it was 79. You know, his his first album was out. His second album was coming out. When I met him, he was actually writing that. And so, you know, that kind of threw him for a loop. Right. So that's that was a huge, huge clue for me. Yeah. Because I, I remembered it. And there's a lot of those you know things that he said and that he I was, remembered and he was pretty and, he, and I'll, I'll this is not one of the songs that we're will probably play but I, I know that uh, you know he's he's also dropped he must have been really enamored with you I think you must you obviously must have been one of his first loves because <laughs> he um, 
he's mentioned you a few times off and on. Uh, you know, obviously that one was the most well known, but he also mentioned you from um, from what I understand also in Five Women when he talks about May. And see, people didn't know that they, and I didn't know that this is this, you know, the irony of the whole thing is that I, I wasn't looking for songs that he wrote about me. I wasn't. And when he passed away, you know, someone told me, you need to go through the vault, go through the songs and look, listen to those songs. And I said, okay, I will, you know, as a journalist, I wanted to, because I wanted to find things. And I found some things that were oof, even on your show. But yeah, in the, at the in the extended version of Little Red Corvette too, Chris, he says Mayday, Mayday. But first, he says, "You do things to me that put me in. I don't know if it's a a velvet sweat or a variable sweat, a velvet sweat. But I want to do things to you so you will never forget." And he's angry. Yeah, <laughs> he's angry, and then he goes Mayday, Mayday, which doesn't make sense because if he's the one doing them to me, why is he screaming Mayday? Yeah, and that's and, one of the reasons why we played the longer version of <laughs> Little Red Corvette so that people could hear those pieces yeah, that are edited I, out of the radio edit version because you don't unless you hear that longer version, you don't right. hear those those pieces that that he's referring specifically about you. Right. And, and and I hate that you really have all these attractors. Everybody knows that Prince writes when Prince writes a song, he's writing it with he's always writing about something. He's always right. writing about somebody specific. Or, you know, or he's trying to really kind of capture the emotion or capture a story. So, you know, for, I'm just, it just boggles my mind that was so much proof. And he even confided with Jerome Benton, and Jerome knows that the song is about you. Well, I don't so, know so, that he confided in Jerome Benton, but Jerome Benton made a point to be in a Corvette sing the song and call me out. I saw the video. Yep. So, I mean, I'm not going to yep. say, you know, I don't know what conversation he had with Jerome. Jerome and I have been friends for a long, long time, but he's very private about Prince too. You know, those are his secrets and his privacy, but you know, I, you know, it is what it is. He said it while he was in a little red Corvette. <laughs> so, well, just, just have, just have Jerome call me. We're going to work it all out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get it documented I'll for do you. That. So that, yeah, I'm gonna get it documented for. You. We're gonna we're gonna put this to rest. Okay. Uh, but anyway, well, right. TCL has put it to rest. I mean, you yeah, know, yeah, so, TC, yeah. I mean, well, you, if you you've ever met him, he who's is gonna the question TCL? Oh, he is the most honest person. <laughs> and you know, I think somebody said they were kind of getting on me about something on one of the. I'm not even gonna give them one of the rag. You know websites out there yeah and they said well we need to get tc ellis on there and then some girl went to his website grabbed it and what he said about what prince told him about me which was that he asked him that he had heard rumors that little red corvette was about may ling now i've known david since i was 12 years old Mm -hmm. so and prince said and he said he he thought the song um in my um she's in my hair right right what's that song yeah, she's yeah. always in my hair. Yep. She's always in my hair was about his sister, Chai. And because she used to manage David. And he said, Prince said, no, that song was not about Chinita. But yes, he wrote Little Red Corvette about me. And then something about a bathtub thing. And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got And so. I, if I was your I husband, I'd want to know all. If, if I was your husband, I'd want to know all these stories. I just. <laughs> 
He's like, yeah, even if it makes me uncomfortable, I just got to know what I'm, what I'm working no, with here. I mean, it's just jokes. There was no bad. I know. I'm just... You know, but it's just, he, that's his personality. He was a jokester. Uh... And so TC said, hey, you know, anybody want to come talk to me about it, they can talk to me. He has no reason to lie. Yeah. You no. know. Yeah, not, yeah, that's not, uh. That's not his style whatsoever. So, I have no reason to lie. I know. And I kept it for so long, you know, but it, it just kind of, to me, it's it's part of history. And and it does make sense, you know, because he was a very vulnerable young man at that time. And, you know, it wasn't like he was after Purple Rain or any of those times, you know what I mean? Right. And yeah. I think it shows that because he he says, you know, um, he shows the vulnerability with Little Red Corvette, right. as he did with me personally. Right. All right. So let's talk about a song that's on here that uh, you kind of were. Uh, go back ho- to Five Women because I I, I kind of messed you up on that. No, it's yes, all right. No, Five I'm not. Women, well, I only mentioned that because you know th- there's other songs that are in the mix. But here's what I want. Okay. I, I I want to talk about soft and wet. <laughs> oh, you do. <laughs> you know I was gonna take. I was gonna do this. You do that. You, you come on. You should have known. But you listen to my show. You know I'm gonna do all the yeah. hard stuff. Well, soft and wet. I mean, like I said, I wasn't there when he was writing that, and I'm not putting any claim to that. But what's so funny about that album is that what one day when I was at his house and I was in the basement, he was doing like this private concert for me. And um, after he was done, he gets, he, he stops the, you know, whatever he's playing. And he goes, so do you have my album? And, I, and his first album. And I said, no, I don't. You don't have my first album? And I said, no. And he looked at me like he was mad. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't. So he went into this cabinet, pulled it out and gave it to me. And that's my For You story. Well, now tell me, okay, we're, we're going to talk about Soft and Wet, but I want to hear about this, because uh, we're going to go ahead and play this song, because people are like, are we ever going to get to these songs? But yeah, I think people also want to hear a lot of this history, too, so I'm all about this. Um, so uh, tell me about this private concert. I mean, you, you're you're sitting in his, his basement, or I mean, what's what's happening? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, Yeah, I was in his basement. He took me downstairs, actually, grabbed my hand and took me downstairs and sat me in a chair right in front of his keyboard. And he went, he gave me a concert. And um, it was, you know, it's quite awesome. But, you know, of course, I was 18 and he was 20, you know, and he wasn't like a prince, prince. And, but, you know, and I knew everybody I knew back then played an instrument. You know, I knew a lot of people that were in groups. And, and I think that's what people don't understand. I'm not saying anything. Of course, Prince is a genius, no doubt. But it was not uncommon for people in Minneapolis. You know, everybody had a band in their basement almost. I mean, I knew a lot of people that had groups. Right. And and so I thought it was really sweet. And he sat me in the chair and I wish I could remember all the songs he was playing. I mean, I think he was playing some of his first album, but I also think he was playing some new songs that he was writing and possibly, you know, who knows, could be could have been some of the songs he wrote. Right. We were together. All right. 
So let's play Soft and Wet, and uh, we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more history and go back into uh, some of the Minneapolis days back in the 70s and early 80s and whatnot. So for right now, here is Soft and Wet on the Funkatopia Radio Show. And that was soft and wet. So uh, when he hands you the first his his album, and uh, let, let let's kind of talk about this for a second because you said this was you know he was asking you whether or not you had his first album. So <laughs> at, at, at not this, happy that I didn't. Right, and and at this point, <laughs> so he's on album number two. Right. Um, so is are is he sharing any stories with you about some of the stuff that he's going through with Warner Brothers or you know anything that's kind of going on as no. far as. No. So I mean, I mean he's I guess they're he's right on the cusp of of touring with uh, Rick James at this point. Is there any of that talk? I mean, it, it, no. 
what's co- I mean, what's coming up in these conversations? You just kind of just hanging out, and he's just playing music, hoping to get laid. I mean, what's the <laughs> what's the what is the? I mean, that's probably what it was, right? But I mean, I, mean, I don't really remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I don't really remember. I mean, we talked about things too, and I and I have some cute stories that are you know going to be in the book, obviously. I'm, I'm but, waiting to I read mean, it. we talked about just you know my life. We talked about you know, where I came from, my family, you know, we were just getting to know each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we really were again, 18 and 20. Right. And, you know, he didn't even tell me he was going on tour with Rick James. Right. I didn't ask either. I didn't, I wasn't that girl. Right. I wasn't like, Oh my God, you got a record deal. What are you going to do next? Where are you going? I wasn't doing that. Yeah. You, you've, you've seen it. Well, because I'm a little bit, just, just give a real, real brief, very, cliff note version of some of some of your family history because you have been surrounded by that all the time so none of that stuff really kind of impressed you much i would imagine i mean it was i mean you were always in contact with somebody that had some level of success going on at the time yeah well you know my grandfather was a civil rights leader in in minnesota and he was the first um human rights director for the city of saint paul Oh. And he was very good friends with Hubert Humphrey. And what, 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 was and your, what was his name? His name was Louis Irvin. Okay. And my uncle was the on for the state of Minnesota. He was on the, the Human Rights Commission. Just to give you an example, when Martin Luther King died, my grandfather and my uncle and the governor and some other people, a circle of people, about 15, 20, took the governor's plane and went to the to Martin Luther King's funeral. Mm. So my grandfather was very well respected and he was and he was a Pentecostal preacher as well. And so, you know, in that respect, you know, I was always brought up that everybody's blood and urine are the same. Right. <laughs> so you treat the street sweeper and the trash man exactly the same way you would treat a president or a vice president of the United States, which, you know, he knew because it was Hubert Humphrey. So that's kind of the way I was raised. So I didn't really get freaked out. Do you understand? And it's not, I'm not saying this to be like, oh, she thinks she's, no, I just did it. I mean, and then my first person I ever met who I did have like was crazy about Michael Jackson. I met him. That was my first concert when I was 14. Really? And I was standing there minding my own business and somebody from his crew came and said, do you want to go backstage and meet the Jackson five? And I'm like, are you kidding? Yes. (laughs) So I grabbed the girlfriends that I was with and we went back there and these little girls were passing out. They were touching their hands and they were falling out (laughs) fainting. And I was just like, really? (laughs) And we went down the line and shook their hands and, and it was, you know, Michael was really tall. You know, I was surprised he was so tall because I was 14, so that means he was 16. And um, I was just always interested in the business and the entertainment industry. That's kind of why I think. And, um, you know, that was like the height. Michael Jackson, you know, back then when I was 14. So, you know, I I know that Prince was, um, they called him the little genius. And, um, you know, all of those things. But I just... Well, how tall how tall are you? 
I'm five two. We are exactly the same size. Oh, so you're five two. Okay, that's why. Because you. No, we were was, just Michael. Because you know. Michael Jackson, he wasn't more than six foot. I mean, he was like five nine or something. Yeah, so but, that, that's but tall he to you, was I guess. tall back. I was surprised because you know, you know, when you watch his, you know, commercials and, I mean, not his, you know, Michael Jackson was from ABC, and then to you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, it's, dance. Yeah. The first time I met Prince, I see I'd always yeah, I know they're always agitated Prince cuz Prince is it's been denoted many times that Prince had noted that why every single time they write an article about me, they've got to say uh the diminutive <laughs> or the short, you know, that always bothered yeah. the crap out of him and yeah. and and I and it was I was, it was always curious to me until the first time that I met him in 2001, 2002, I guess it was. And he came around the corner and I'm 5'11", so I'm almost so I'm almost six foot tall. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm 50 now. But <laughs> I, I, at one point I was six and then I started shrinking. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. But um, we... But he came around the corner, and he literally only came to like right above my stomach, and I, I, like right at like chest, his top of his head was like chest level, and yeah. I guess it was so shocking to me, because you don't, you know, unless you've ever he's been right in front of you, he's oh, you know, and it, which was just well, he, mastery he to very me. Very carefully manipulated the way he looked with, around other people. Absolutely. The way that the camera angle... And all of that, yes. Right, the mm-hmm. camera angles are never right. never broadcasted that. The, you know, it was always... He always chose people around him to be the same, you know, at least be a little bit, you know... And, and I know that Dr. Fink was a... You know, was he was taller because he's about my right. height, a little bit, a little bit shorter than me, I guess. But he always put him like way in the back. Yeah, and Morris like, Hayes. Yeah, was, so just the tall. way that he, yeah. yeah. So it's just, uh, yeah, he was. But he quite, had a really large personality. Oh, and, absolutely! Um, but yeah, it just never, it never overshadowed yeah. that. No, never. But I think when we went to go uh, to see, uh, even when I went back home and saw him in two thousand four. We had a conversation. I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, because my husband is six, almost 6'3", six or he was 6'3". His dad is 6'5". And, you know. <laughs> I mean, five, two, no, you're... I'm not saying that. No, no, I'm not saying that to dismiss Prince at all. But I had, he's still yeah. tiny. I'm a little fat now. So, you know, it was different Please. for me, you know, because we were both little. As a matter of fact, um, I was, you know, his perfect size, you know. This is kind of, you know, I was, we were exactly the same. Way, <laughs> well, so I'm not going to go into our conversation. I got it. No, it's fine. But, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I was 5'2", and he was 5'2", and we would, you know, stand, you know, he he tried to cheat because his afro, not afro, but his hair was a little fluffy because his hair was straight back when I met him. But, well, the sec, not in 76, he had the afro, but in, um, in 79, he was starting to wear his hair, like, as long as mine. So, um. Yeah, he would cheat because his hair was a little fluffy. And I said, no, we're the same size. <laughs> <laughs> but he had a real large personality. Well, so let's well, let's talk about, we're, we're not going to talk about, we're actually just going to go ahead and play the other song that um, has been mentioned that was about you, which is Sexy Dancer. So we'll play this real quick and then come back and talk a little bit about uh, a little bit about this song as well. Um, but here it is, Sexy Dancer on the Funkatopia radio show. 
And that was Sexy Dancer, which is uh, actually one of quite a few songs that Prince, again, I, I can't, it just, it, it's just so mind-boggling to me. And it's got to be to you, too, that as, you know, as people start unveiling, you know, these various songs and say, that song's about you, too, and this song's about you. And, yeah. But on, the same, but on the same note, we got we to gotta kind of flip to the other side of this because, um, and, and most of your detractors probably wouldn't, will not have made it this far into this thing. They'll probably got agitated or, or, or angry and, and have already jumped ship by now. But for those that kind of hung in here and said, well, maybe she is telling the truth here. I mean, this is kind of like borderline obsessive how many songs that he kind of quietly wrote about you. And well, I can't verify it, you know, but it's with Prince, you never know, right? Because he will drop little hints. Right. And Sexy Dancer, he didn't really play that much. He didn't, you know, it wasn't sampled a lot in other songs. And I think it was, so when he did say it or did put it in another song, I paid attention. Um, but I was that girl, you know, I was out on the dance floor and even the music reminded me of the music that we were listening to back in the day. Right, because that's know, the other thing too. And is then that he this goes is with that, you know, sexy right. dancer, and I'm yeah. like, come on, really? And this is but early, and this is early in his career too. That's so, early. so yeah. So you're talking about, you know, the, and I actually think that dropped before I left. Didn't that drop? Yeah, well, the, it was covered in the '94 East sessions as well. Some of the some of the ones that were were done. Um, some of the the outtakes for the '94 East thing. He was messing with that song early. So, oh, he was messing with Sexy Dancer? Yeah, he, there was, there was ri- all types of riffs that were on the outtakes, the hour outtakes uh, that wow. we did during Prince Giving. Yes, he, he was tinkering with that song quite a bit. Um, but I think, with, again, I think what's interesting... So maybe it's not about me. I don't know, but, you know... Well, I mean, I'm just talking about, but now I'm talking about no. lyrically. I'm not talking about lyrically. Oh, lyrically. Oh, instrumentally, yeah, yeah. Kind of like what about. he did with Purple Rain. He was doing some Purple Rain stuff early, way before Purple Rain. Yeah, well, like yeah. the uh, what was mm-hmm. the, the the song that we I, we just uncovered uh, from nineteen eighty or eighty one? There was a show that uh, Nikki T uh, played a live show from nineteen eighty, and he was actually doing the solo from "Let's Go Crazy," which still was not even going to see the light of day till another three, four years. Right. I mean, complete with all the instrumentation dropping out and him playing almost right. note for note that solo um, until he had tweaked it out and eventually it it landed on Purple Rain. So, I mean, he was always messing with little riffs and, and until he found a kind of a, a placement for it, you know. Right. You know, it is For me, is. that song, Sexy Dancer, it makes me feel good, though. It reminds me, it kind of puts me back in the club scene back in the time when I was in college and we were having fun and, and, you know, dancing was all the rage and, you know, in the rhythm with the way I had certain, the reason they called me fancy dancers, I had my own kind of little beat and I had certain ways that I danced that was a little bit different than some of the other people. Right. And, 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 um. It does. It makes me feel good, and when I hear that song, it reminds me of that time in my life, you know. Mm. And then he actually, in the vault, he had redone um, fan, uh, "Fancy Dancer," but he never released it. I saw it in the vault book. 
Right, that was the, uh, and it was covered by the, well, that was uh, Commodores. Commodores, yeah. yeah. Well, we have that yeah. song. Well, we'll go up, we'll, let's play that. That's let's, a jam right there. That's funky. All right, let's go ahead and hit it. <laughs> it's Fancy Dancer by the Commodores. And if we can, well, we'll, 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 I'll dig around and see if I can find the Prince version. But for right now, the Commodore. Is there a Prince version? Do you have I, it? I, I, if, if anybody has it between myself and Nikki, we'll find it. Wow, <laughs> but for right I'd now, hear that. yeah. Wow. But for right now, the we got the Commodore's version right here on Funkatopia Radio. Have you found yourself in love before? Tell me, ain't it a different kind of thing? So much loving, such a real.
And that was Fancy Dancer by the Commodores. We're kind of going back and kind of doing a little bit of, uh, kind of talking about some of the Minneapolis history that was kind of going on. And, you know, I mean, obviously the more you talk and the more that you're kind of going into some of the deeper details, you know, for me personally, I don't have any qualms believing anything that you're saying. I, I really don't because, I mean, it's just, it's just a lot of the details match up and a lot of things that you're saying, obviously, just they just, for me, they match up. Yeah. I just I, I like to kind of uncover some of the historical background to some of the things that were going on through Prince's mind. And, and, and obviously, as the years pass, there's going to be more and more people that kind of come out and claim this, that or the other. But I, I like to hear some of these some of these more intricate details. And, and um, right. I Did you that, hear this story about uh, the heavyweight champ and meeting meeting Prince? Uh, no, I mean, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but I didn't hear any Yeah, the, there's any like a, a, a moment where they actually meet, not just the picture on my wall. And I'm saying that really solidified it for me. Um, I was at, when Mike Weaver was fighting Scott Ledoux in Minnesota, he was a heavyweight contender then. He had the USA title, and so was Scott Ledoux. And so they fought, and after the fight, um, I had met Mike because I don't want to go down in that whole thing but I was working with an organization at the University of Minnesota student organization we were working with a women's boxing the amateur level international women's boxing and I they had just made me the vice president of international women boxing amateur boxing and we went to get sanctioned in Las Vegas we were trying to get I mean this is really some heavy duty forefront stuff on women's boxing that this guy Bill Paul was doing in University of Minnesota, the first amateur fight was fought in Minnesota. Hmm. The first female boxing commissioner, Judy Clammer, was out of Minnesota, and that was all through our group. And so that's how I ended up even meeting these guys in boxing. So our organization decided we wanted our girls to weigh in at the Ali fight and at the um, the Scott Ledoux and Mike Weaver fight. So I went, and then Mike saw me. And he got hit in the face because he was looking at me. And his manager told him, stop. You know, you can't be looking at these women. <laughs> and you're up here boxing, sparring. And, you know, I, Mike asked me, he was supporting our group. And he asked me to have dinner with him after the fight. So I did. He asked me where, what was going on in Minnesota. And I said, well, there's an after party, you know, on Elliot, some of the guys from the U like Trent Tucker and those guys that, you know, I don't know if you know who Trent Tucker's, but he played ball for the Golden Gophers, and then he played for the Bulls, and he played for the New York Knicks. And they were having a party, so I took him over there. And um, we went to this party, this house party, and, uh, you know, as we were leaving, it was in November, and sometimes I get confused, but it was, I looked at my day book, it was in November, and it was really cold. And um, he picked me up because it was like a a house where you walk up the stairs. You know, you open the door, you walk up, and it's kind of like a duplex. And he picked me up because I had heels on, and and I had my arms wrapped around his neck. Now, we had never kissed or anything, you know. We were just friends. And who walks in the door, Chris? It's got to be Prince. and Andre Simone. Oh, my gosh. It was a Charlie Murphy moment, okay? And so I'm like, oh, God. And I'm, like, in a compromising situation. Right. And I'm, you know, he's holding me. 
literally like he's got me. He's Hercules, you know, Mike Hercules Weaver. And we're walking down the stairs and we get to the in-between because Prince and Andre are walking up. He puts me down. And I said, Prince, Andre, this is Mike Hercules Weaver. They shake hands. We walk down. Mike says, who was that little dude? He looked at me like he wanted to kill me. (laughs) He said, is that your boyfriend? And I said, well, he said, yeah, that's your boyfriend? I said, no, he's not boyfriend because we kind of have fell out at that point for a minute we were you know fall out get back together fall out in the sense of anyway well, so well i heard about well now hold on this this says this in an interview well now what this is this is kind of referring to uh once again prince talking about you again in that song um x's face <laughs> is this the same thing he does talk about a staircase. He does. He talks about it, and and obviously, make Mike Weaver. For those don't know, the, the guy, the guy, the guy is very, very big, very dark, very brooding, and very. Um, oh yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah. So, so I guess you know, and when you're talking about light skinned prince and short and not anything like that, he's. No. He kind of that uh, song is kind of brutal though if it is about me because he's talking about giving him a banana right. and putting him in a cage. <laughs> but you know, actually, but I heard about that. I heard about that as well. So so just so, but this would be this would be yet another song that he kind of refers to. But you're like in and out of Prince's life like I, quite a bit. Know, like I, I can't verify that. So I don't like, want well, to think she thinks every song's about her because I don't. I don't really. It could be a number of people, but no, it is kind of weird. He says staircase. Let it, let it, let it be known that I'm the one that that started this. <laughs> <laughs> let it be known that they want to point fingers and say that Mr. Christopher oh, is out of gosh. his freaking mind. He's given this woman ammunition, but I'm just saying yeah, that yeah. this. You know, I always try to find you know some of the the historical stuff behind some of this, and what's funny is that. You know, you are you've been involved in Prince's life, and you keep coming up, and that's what I just think. Yeah. What I just think is funny is some of the stories that that are happened, and he's you know, that mesh. There's more in the book. You're going to be quite shocked on a couple of them. Well, I'm, that I'm. I have been keeping to myself for a long time because, again, you know, the fans are not ready for some of these things because I'm kind of an unknown entity. But um, I wonder what he, you know, I mean, like Prince said himself, you know, he keeps things until it's ready to go on the album that will fit whatever he's got on there. Right. And, um, you know, after I went back and saw him again in 2004 and then Jerome asked me to come to Paisley Park um, to the concert when the time they were opening up a couple months later in June. And I went and I stayed there for three days, not at Paisley Park. Somebody said, she stayed in Paisley Park. No, I did not stay in Paisley Park. He was married to Manuela. I was married. But I went to the three after shows and brought my girlfriends. And, you know, I went to the concert. And then we had a chance to talk and and some things happened on stage. And um, actually, he put me in his promo video for Musicology. There's a picture of he and I standing. His, His back is to... Right, that's that's that was another thing that kept coming up is yeah, because action, he was very very particular. I asked him about it. Right, there was very, he was very very particular about who shows up in, in a lot of his different things. But it was funny that he kept on 
there was two different shots where he angled it so that you were in it. He did, yeah. Twice. That video, yeah, that video where he sang to me, shh. And um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, but you know what? It, it was a gift, and I so appreciate it now because I don't, there's, I have my cousin looking for pictures because there might be a picture of us all together at the lake because she dated Dwayne. And um, she's looking right now as we speak. She's at her mom's looking. And I hope I find one. But, you know, again, people go, well, she didn't even have a picture of him. Well, you know what? When you were 17, 18 years old, 18 years old, you weren't like running around popping pictures like we do now. We didn't have cell phones. Right. You know, and Prince didn't care for pictures either. He wasn't really into the picture thing. So, you know, there's somebody might have a picture of us dancing in the club that night. That was a moment. Um, Picture Man took a bunch of pictures of me. You know, that Minneapolis book, Sight Sounds of Minneapolis. I'm I'm in that. And there were three photos that were in the exhibit. But there were more because somebody said when I went to the historical society, that Prince had already come up and, and got a bunch of them pictures. Now, I don't know for sure. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise this me. This is a big mystery. He yeah. was a mystery. Yeah, he, he definitely was. Yeah. Let's, do, let's do another song or two because we're, we're obviously running, running long here talking about some of the history and stuff. So why don't we do this? Why don't you pick out a couple more songs out of your list here and um, that you know tie a little bit more that you can preface with you know some more history because that's what people I'll really like to hear. I'll give you a funny heard. one. Bad All Dance. Right. All right. Let's talk about Bad, bad dance. dance. All right. Bad Dance um, has nothing to do with me, but but TC Ellis. Um, whenever I hear Bad Dance, I just laugh because I call TC David because that's what I call him back when we were twelve years old. So David Ellis was a you know aspiring rapper back in the day in Minneapolis, and he he wrote this rap called Twin City Rap. Um, he was trying to get Prince's attention, and this is after I had left. And he was trying to get Prince's attention for five years to, to sign him and to get him to go into, you know, hip hop. And Prince really wasn't feeling it. He didn't want to do it. So David hooked up with somebody who I'm not going to call them out. And he found out about the Warner Brothers thing. I mean, the movie Batman. And he did his own bat rap. And he recorded it and he put it out and it was getting airtime. And Prince found out about it. And that's when he called him in and said, hey, come on in. And he gave him a deal. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's let's check it out. Have you ever heard that story? (laughs) I have not heard that story. But let's check it out. Here it is, the song you guys know and love. Here it is, Bat Dance on the Funkatopia radio show. Oh, I got a live one here. Get 
busting. Enema. Enema. 
That was Bat Dance from obviously the Batman soundtrack. We heard some pretty uh, <laughs> some interesting stories. It's always these little teeny bits and pieces that kind of help fill some of the stuff out. That's really kind of cool, and it's it's you know it's always neat to kind of be involved in in you know people's lives and stuff. And I mean, I've got stories of my own, you know, but not involved with with Prince, but like. You know, guys like John Mayer and uh, the Zach Brown Band and some of these really big bands that are out there now uh, that I've right. had a lot of, you know, did, had a lot of personal, you know, stuff with a lot of those guys and, you know, because they're based here out of Georgia. And, right. um, you know, so it was, it's it's funny to see, you know, how many people well, that Usher, you cross Usher's out of Atlanta, right? Yes, he is. And, uh, yeah. you know, you know, music, music soul child. Yeah. You know, it's funny, we were, um, I was working, this is, we're going offbeat here, but uh, at the time, I was just doing some part-time work, and um, a, f- a friend of the family said, hey, you know, could, would you mind uh, being a limo driver, uh, it wasn't really a limo, it was more like a SUV, um, for this R&B artist, and I was like, sure, I was like, I probably know who this is, probably, and I didn't. I wasn't aware that I thought it would be somebody, you know, like Bow Wow or somebody like that right. would get in. <laughs> and then in walks and then we're, I pull up at the airport and they open the door and in gets music. And he comes and he sits and he, he sits and I literally had to drive all day from like 1030 in the morning all the entire day. I had to drive music around to wherever he wanted to go. He he had me take him down to Atlanta to get these Jamaican beef patties, and he went. I mean, it was like we were going everywhere, and we were talking about everything, and it was just it was one of those moments. It's like people would actually kill to be sitting in an SUV yeah. just just talking with. And so these kind of little stories, especially when it involves Prince. Well, let me give you my Usher story. Okay, I want to hear um, that. Actually, Mike. My cousin just won. He has a new megastar thing that he's doing, and they place third place. And this megastar thing on, um, I don't know if you've even heard about it, but it was a million dollar um, prize. It was kind of like The Voice, but it's all done on an app, and it's Usher. And they just placed Kizzy and Adam, they just placed um, third in that whole thing. So I was really proud of her. But back in the day, I worked. um, the No Way Out tour with Puff Daddy. And um, from my connections with Low Key, Valerie Benning, who was their road manager, asked me would I book, because I had a talent speakers bureau booking agency. She asked me would I book the choirs for the No Way Out tour. So I did. And um, I booked them in Canada and around the country. And, you know, I had to find these, these choirs, church choirs all over. And um, my daughter had a birthday. And I wanted her to sing in the choir with them. And she said, I'm now I'm afraid I don't want to do it. And then she realized she missed an opportunity. Right. So then she goes, well, I want to do it now. I feel okay. I can do it. So I flew her to Seattle and no Portland, Portland, Oregon. And we went backstage and she sang with the choir and I took her to meet Usher. And I think she was just turning 15. And I have a picture with her and Usher backstage. And she was like in heaven. 
stories. <laughs> uh, it's always good to have these little brush. And I love being in Atlanta. I mean, I know people are saying, well, you should be over in California. You should be somewhere, you know. I, I love Atlanta. There's so much going on here musically. It's just pretty fantastic. So I just, you know, yeah, all I these brushes are great. in Atlanta, as a matter of uh, fact. We'll you got to let me know that. when you're in town. All right, so let's pick, let's pick one more song to close this out. And uh, preferably one of the ones on that list that um, has a, you know, another little history story you can you can throw in there. Okay, uh, Dance Electric. Okay. And, of course, Prince wrote that song for Andre, gave it to Andre Simone. I don't know if he wrote it for Andre, but Andre had it on his album. So um, I just love that song. That was a cool song. It, it was just funky. Andre had done a good job on it. I was living in Kansas City at the time and I was um, writing for a particular newspaper and they called and asked me did I want to go um, interview um, Andre Simone and I said yeah because I know him I sure do <laughs> <laughs> so I got to go uh, went to the concert and um, went backstage and I hadn't seen Andre since 80 and this was 85 or so and um so we had a chat and, uh, you know, I interviewed him, wrote a review about his his um, concert. And actually his fan base told me I had one of the very few articles with a photo. So they were really happy when I posted it. And um, he signed my uh, the inside of the album cover. Still sweet after all these years. And I still have it. So which yeah. so which version do you want me to play? You want me to play the Andre Simone version? Or you want me to play the Prince version? I don't care. Um, didn't matter to me. No, you got to decide. Which okay, play Andre's version. All right, we're gonna play Andre's version. Here it is, okay. Andre Andre Simone on the Funkatopia radio show. Another summer 
Andre Simone doing Dance Electric. And, uh, well, that is pretty much going to wrap up this particular uh, version of the Funkatopia Radio so Show Takeover. Songs, I know, Chris. we had so much, but we were talking so... But it was, I, I think this is kind of... I mean, it's one thing to kind of play a bunch of songs, and we kind of had a, a vision about how he wanted it to go, but at the same time, there was just... It was just so much historical data that was there that I think that people wanted to hear, and, and I think... It's it also better serves for you also because you've got this book that's going to probably be coming out in January of actually well you're saying probably 2019 is what you're saying. Um, no. 2018 really? This soon? Yes. Nice. Yes. Oh, fantastic! It's not January 2018, but you know the 35th anniversary of Little Red Cor- Corvette is February 8th or 9th. I would love to have it out by then, but I'm not sure it's going to happen. But it will be out on the 35th anniversary year for sure. Awesome. I'm so glad I misheard sure. you. I'm so glad yes, I misheard and, you. And people need to realize this is also my story, you know, about my life and what happened to me in Minneapolis. And, you know, I'm going to give them some background on the city and the civil rights and all of that stuff. I think it's going to be more interesting than they think. How do you feel like you're prepared mentally or emotionally to take on all these detractors because there's some people that are obviously very very close to the prince camp that that don't believe anything you have to say 
And then there's then there's other people who are just like, why would why would she lie? And there's probably yeah. other women there's probably other women that are out there going, no, it's about me because yeah. we we drove around in my car one day. I mean, yeah. you know, So how 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 are you going to be you prepared know, for that kind of pushback? You know, here's what I recently bought a necklace and it says fearless, and I wear it now. Because um, not only was it really painful writing the book and going through some of the things that happened to me, good, bad, and otherwise, that I had to relive um, Mm -hmm. and some of the reasons why I left, but it was very healing. So for me, I'm writing this book from a good place. And um, I'm writing this book with the intent, like Prince said, you want to help other people with things. So I feel like the things that I went through and maybe some of the things that he went through and he experienced, some of the prejudice, some of the bullying, you know, that we had in common and some other deeper things that I went through in my own personal life, I think will heal other people, you know? Right. And, and, and that is why T.C. Ellis, quite frankly, was so adamant about me writing the book because he said the things that you have gone through and where you have come out in your life they can help people. You really don't understand that with all this Harvey Weinstein stuff going on right now and all these other things, you know, I have a story. I have a story without Prince. Right. And I know that Prince is a big name and that he's, you know, Prince said, you're either here to enlighten or discourage. And I'm not saying anything bad about Prince. You know, I care about him. I care about his legacy. But it is what it is, Chris. We right. had a thing. We had yep. a thing. So there are stories and there are songs. His songs are stories. Right. That, um, I mean, I'm afraid to tell some of them. Really, I am. Because people are going to be like, hell no. Or they're going to be like, really? Or, you know, but you have to be fearless. Because here's the thing. This is what I believe. And this is what I feel. That doesn't necessarily mean it is true in the sense that He may have written a particular song about more than one person, other things. It's just a coincidence. But there are some things in some songs that he has given me clues in that I know are about me. And it's going to rock the world a little bit of what Prince fans thought a particular song was about. Right. But, you know. That's that's the reality of it. I mean, you just have to tell your truth, right? And Mm -hmm. people can take it or not. I'm not saying anything negative about him. I'm not trying to disrespect anyone. I'm really just trying to tell my story. That's really all I'm trying to do. Well, I know that I am looking forward to getting a copy of this book, and hopefully it will be autographed by you. And uh, (laughs) you've been been a fan of Funkatopia, and you've been a a great supporter of Funkatopia. And, you know, obviously, you know, I've got nothing but love for you. But you know me online, obviously, but... um, your scare show, your show scares me though because when I listen to certain songs I'm like oh hell no what wait wait and you can't back it up and it just kind of pops in and pops out and I'm like writing it down and I'm thinking really I mean for example and you know well no I don't want to go there no I'm not gonna go there I'm gonna leave it alone you gotta save for note. the book you gotta save for the book there's gonna be something and if anything yeah. you need background on if you need me to to forward you something to kind of get a little bit more details just let me know I'll help you out. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, right. I would. But 
Ladies this and gentlemen. has been great, and you know, thanks for keeping his um, legacy alive and being respectful and trying to learn more about you know his life and and respectful that he had a life before he was the superstar prince. Yeah, you know, I mean, he just had average girls around. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, obviously. that's just the way it was. Yeah, that's that's the truth of it. There's prince had many women in his life, and you were definitely lucky and blessed enough to be one of them. So. You know, and on top of that, you are, hey, at least he doesn't, <laughs> there's other women that have been in his life that he's written not so pretty songs about, like Billy, like Billy Jack Bitch and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or there's, Darling Nikki. Right, there's some songs yeah. that are out there that aren't so, Darling uh, Nikki. Yeah, I, I recently found out who she might be. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to talk about offline about that. You may know something I don't. Yeah, I'm sure it has nothing to do with the movie either, so. But, ladies and gentlemen, please uh, give a warm round of applause and thank you for joining us, Miss Mailing Stonepool, for um, for joining us. And, and hopefully we'll be able to, you know, kind of put some of this to rest and hopefully kind of solidify things in people's mind. And and at least in the in the in the least scheme of things, we'll get them out to the bookstore to actually pick up the book and then they can decide for themselves what they want to accept and what they don't want to accept. But, you know, you've got a fan of me. I, you know, I got, I got nothing but love for you. And thank you. Thanks for for offering, you know, for me to come on and do this. And, you know, I like to share the stories and I can tell you in the book, when it comes out, you know, Little Red Corvette, the one behind the song, there's going to be a lot of things in there. They're going to make them laugh things they didn't know about Prince, little things he did to me, pranks um, that are hilarious, that I've kept for all these years. I can't so wait to I see think him. they'll enjoy it. They're going to get a piece of him from 79. I'm looking forward so, to it. I'm, I'm looking you. To, 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 the, to, to reading about the, the, the young and obnoxious kid that we know was there, that the one that the prankster, the jokester, that's, that's the guy. all right thank you so much mailing and uh we'll uh close out with uh a little bit more of little red corvette thanks for joining us on the funkatopia radio show we obviously will hopefully do another radio takeover soon in the very very near near future but thank you mailing for joining us on this one thanks all right adios folks
Try to take me to the red love machine. 